Comments made on the Ceratalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Hi, everyone. Welcome to High Contrast, the show that sees you between the sight lines, as Rodney likes to say. And in fact, I am not Rodney. I am actually Joe Steinkamp. Rodney actually had a scheduling conflict, and we wish him well. This time it wasn't cable. This time it wasn't anything odd or strange. Rodney just... Couldn't make it with us today, but you know who did? She's back from her summer of a hiatus. Welcome, Miss Maury Hill. Hi, Joe and Byron. How are you? Hey, Byron. We're having a hot summer, huh? Byron uh, is also here. You're right, Maury. Byron Lee from Byron27. Say hi, Byron. Hi, Byron. There we go. And Maury, you were talking <laughs> your summer? Yes. Oh my gosh, it's been a hot summer. And rainy? Oh my gosh, I've never seen so much lightning, thunder, rain, humidity, and heat in my life. Isn't that a, uh, what is it, uh, 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 there's a, there's a song, I've seen lightning and I've seen rain, isn't that a, okay, never mind, I won't, I won't go into 70s light rock k <laughs> music here, in fact, I could hear Rodney screaming at his MP3 player right at the moment, why does he do that, why must he always mention EOLshow.com, I don't know, I just... I have to do these things. Now, how much would you pay? <laughs> now, uh, now I know what song you're talking about. Okay, now you remember? Thunder. Yes. I'm sorry. I was <laughs> just recently... Now, now it's in her head. Now well, she won't be able to I was just recently it. at a Taylor Swift concert, so... <gasps> Good gravy. <laughs> so, you know, that completely polluted my brain. And how do you feel about us men now that you've gone to a Taylor Swift con- Never mind. I- oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> she has just a couple of songs about well, disliking individuals, I understand. Yeah, well, I'm feeling like 22. <laughs> hey, so how was that? I have issues with light to dark. Sometimes, you know, with spotlights and things like that, were you able to enjoy the concert? Were you near? Were you far? Did you rely on a binocular or an ipad i was far i think it was a football field and the stage was at one end and we were at the other end and she had some big screens so i could watch her on that there was a screen right in back of us that she used once in a while so that was handy but to watch her live i used a monocular once in a while, and even through the monocular, she was just a little dot. You really couldn't tell that it was human. (laughs) And usually I would bring my 2X glasses. I forget what you call them, but they make you feel like you're two times closer. But I'm not sure how that would have gone over with my daughter at a Taylor Swift concert. Right. But I I forgot them anyways. I would have tried them. <laughs> Mom, you're embarrassing me. Do you have to wear those goofy glasses to the concert? <laughs> this is not Lady yeah. Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't have a lot of experience with concerts myself other than going to see Weird Al shows. I don't think, other than comedy things, I have not been to a what you'd call a normal concert. But... One of the things that Al does at his shows is that there is usually a monitor, like a large projector screen behind him. And when there's not music videos on or some other sort of multimedia stuff happening behind him, they have cameras on him. So if I am close enough to a monitor, I can see that. Or a monocular aimed at the stage is easier than aiming at this tiny little dot that moves all over the place. So I'll just stare at Mm, the static image. Yeah. And there were bright lights near the end of the show. And yeah, I had to kind of turn away from that. 
Yeah, I do like a good light show. I am easily amused, and uh, bright and shiny objects will actually distract me very well for a considerable amount of time. I actually considered going to see Black Sabbath this year. Ozzy and co. were actually doing their first show in Houston, and I thought, ooh, good, he's not completely drunk, and he'll remember all the words, possibly, on the first show. But I chose not to go, because it's one of those general admission Places. So there's a uh, seating in the front and then there's general admission in the back at the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion, or as we jokingly call it, the uh, Cynthia Woods Mosquito Pavilion. And I have been to more than 200, 300 concerts in my lifetime. I literally cannot keep count because I was in radio. So I've, I've done a lot of concerts and I do enjoy the live experience. I'll tell a quick story once I was at a concert to see Judas Priest, which is one of my faves. Uh, and it was the painkiller tour. And I openly displayed my cane at these situations because if I was to step on somebody's foot or knock somebody's hat or whatever, I wanted to be able to say, ha ha, I'm visually impaired. And so I had my cane with me and we were sitting ninth row dead center dream spot for me, but there was a space between me and the next row. And I couldn't tell how far I could go up without hitting the next row. So I kind of edged myself a little further and a little further. And my cane tip went out and I tripped someone. And I didn't mean to. But as the cop got up from the ground soaking uh, wet from (laughs) beer and moved his hand to his nightstick, a good friend of mine who was with me jumped ahead of me and pulled out his badge because he was a probation officer and said, he's blind, he's blind, he's blind. He didn't mean it. He wasn't trying to. But the people in the 15 rows behind me going, yeah, to the cop didn't make it very easy. And of course, this was like the third song in. So if I was going to do it, right, do it at the beginning of the concert. But So I like a good light show and stuff like that. I try to sit as center as possible. I only have one eye, so I try to get things in the center so I don't have to turn my head a lot. And so I do like, though, the vibe of being at a concert, even as old as I'm getting. And it is kind of telling that I actually, in 1986, saw Judas Priest and Neil Diamond in the same week in Austin. And, well, that's a story for another time. It's a very good thing you don't really depend on your hearing for for (laughs) getting around, because (laughs) I can imagine the state of your eardrums at that point. So people often ask me, they're like, oh, you're visually impaired, all your senses got better. And it's like, yeah, so this year, 1981 Aerosmith, not so much. Uh, <laughs> so there could have been something there. And I've seen shows. I've seen like Pink Floyd and Genesis and The Who and all sorts of people in the Astrodome. And uh, the Astrodome is one of the worst places on the God's green earth to see a show because, like you were saying, Maury, you're so far back. But even more so, it's an enclosed area. And I've been there to see tractor pulls and stuff like that at the Astrodome. And there's just nowhere for that sound to go. So you can't even use echolocation to help yourself because there's just sound everywhere. And that's kind of distressing. I know some people who won't go see certain shows because they're like 140 decibels or something like that. So they can't even rely on their vision nor their hearing. And that's kind of why I, I never got into the club scene because for me it was like sensory deprivation. I either like the music or I like the strobe lights because I'm going to see bright or nothing. And so it was never a big thing for me to go to clubbing, but concerts was a little different. I didn't mind concerts nearly as much. One of the best places to ever go to for a concert, at least in my experience, and again, remember, I haven't been to that many of them, but when I was in Phoenix, I went to a show at the Celebrity Theater, and the cool thing about that place was that the stage 
rotated. So you got to see all aspects of the band. You got to see behind the drummer set. You got to see the stage hands jumping up on the stage and doing stuff. And it was a really small venue. So even if you were in the nosebleed section, you could still see. Sweaty yeah. hair, the uh, behind the scenes of the keyboard. No, I agree with you. I've done shows in the round as well. And it's really interesting. Smaller clubs I like also because they bring you drinks. And that's always an advantage, especially if you don't like the band or the band is just off that night. So being able to inebriate oneself or at least get thyself one uh, good cola to make it through the rest of the show can sometimes be helpful. Good luck trying to make out anything that's up on the stage when you've had a couple well, of drinks. Okay, not so much for Maury maybe, but as a guy going to rock shows, I was always very careful not to say sir or ma'am because I just couldn't tell it was a dark place oh, and, yes. you know... <laughs> I was going to be yes. very careful because some body types, you know, struggling musician could be a dude. Yeah. I don't know. So I used to actually, I don't smoke, but I used to carry a pack of cigarettes in my pocket because if somebody approached me to ask for a cigarette, I could at least possibly guess whether their voice was male or female. So that was one of those that I used to do when I was in radio. That's Can I have a cigarette? Trick. Oh, here you go, <laughs> yes. sir. Patty and Selma from The Simpsons. You're right. I would have some trouble. I, <laughs> But you've run into that, Maury? Oh, yeah, not knowing whether I'm talking to a male or female or, or seeing a male or female. Definitely. Yeah. That's a tough one. And you try to go by body type or you try to go by stance or maybe there's a certain way. Uh, but when man bags got popular, you couldn't throw in a purse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. When he, well, it's true. When you said man bags, I'm, I immediately thought of man boobs. And oh, then well. I was just like, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And and now we have a new show title. No, um, so, <laughs> man bags and man boobs. No, I'm not going to use that as a show title. But no, I hear what you're saying because you would sit there and if you're computer-ish, you might be a little Pillsbury dough-like. And so, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. And there is that possibility. So you can't make the guess that, you know, that is a guy or that is a girl. And I believe me, this was not in the show notes, so... What you're hearing here is just completely live riffing, just letting the audience know that we had not intended this when we hit recording. Well, it's even worse for babies or kids getting it wrong. They don't like that so much. A new baby. And when you're at a rock show and you've got, you know, some guy with super long hair. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah. And it's not Crystal Gale. So you guess. You don't you don't know, right. you know. And like I said, the Merce, the man bag could be one of those things that could help, but not help. So those are definitely some things that everybody runs into who might have low vision. And it's not something that you should feel embarrassed about. I have on just some occasions just said, hi, and your name is just to try and get, you know, <laughs> that, that awkward part to try and guess whether that is a guy or a girl or a person. Uh, and so, Hey, partner, yes. <laughs> <laughs> non-denominational, non-gender-neuter conversation. My name is Aaron. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now we get into Pat and uh, Saturday Night Live skits, which would make uh, Rodney really happy because his wife's name is Aaron and he's a fan of Saturday Night Live. So, hi, Rodney. <laughs> that is not what we were here to talk about initially. Uh, what we were going to talk about was we had another person go out to another amusement park and he wanted to be able to tell his story, and his name is Byron. Byron, would you like to tell the class where you were and what you did? Well, I was at Six Flags Great America in Gurney, Illinois, and uh, went with a friend of mine and his daughter. 
And the unique thing about this particular excursion to Six Flags, number one, it was my first time going to Six Flags in Illinois, but number two, all three of us were visually impaired. So we had no sighted assistance whatsoever, and I think we did pretty good. So we took the PACE bus, and I forgot what PACE stands for, but basically PACE is the system of buses that takes you around the suburbs of Chicago. And uh, so we took the PACE bus from his house to the Six Flags. They dropped us off right near the Superman ride, and then we walked the block and a half or whatever it was to the ticket line. We got our tickets scanned, and, and we got our arm bands, our little uh, wristband things. And the cool thing about uh, Six Flags is that they have what's called the Equal Access Pass. So what we did is, as soon as we had our tickets and our wristbands, we went in, we found the customer relations area, we stood in line for about five minutes, and then Aaron explained to them that we needed the pass that would allow us to essentially not cut lines because back in 2007, Six Flags actually took away the, hey, we're going to let you cut through lines thing because you're blind. What they do now, instead of letting you do that, is they give you a pass and they make you wait the equal amount of time that you would have to wait in line, but you can leave the ride and sit on a bench, go get some food, maybe ride another ride that doesn't have nearly as long of a line, you know, do various other things, take in a show or whatever, and you don't have to sit there and stand in line. So we managed to hit not as many rides as we would have if we hadn't had to wait in line, but we were able to pull off at least twice the, okay, let's go to the Superman ride, get ourselves a time which was about an hour later, and then go find a different ride, do that, and then come back and actually not have to stand in line. So that was pretty awesome. One of the things that I got while I was there was the souvenir cup which has two purposes. Number one, it's a nice sports cup with a straw that bends down and, you know, it doesn't poke up and, and uh, hit you in the eye every time you go to find it and take a drink, which is annoying. Confucius say one-eyed men not use straw. <laughs> right. So the other cool thing about it is that it allows you to get unlimited refills for that day for three ninety nine extra. So the price is going to sound insane. The price for this piece of plastic was fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> and then you pay $3.99 additionally on top of that, and that gives you unlimited refills all day. But if you go and get a drink without buying this special cup, the drinks are like 10 bucks or something. I mean, they're incredibly <laughs> expensive for sugar water, essentially. Yeah. So I was able to, um, you know, throughout the entire park, just get a, a refill, either water or soda of some sort, and uh, it was well worth it. So that was pretty cool. But you have to carry that around with you, right? You do have to carry it around with you. But the cool thing about the park is that they have these cubbies that are at the end of each line where you can dump off your purse or your cup or whatever it is that you have to dump off so that you can go and get on the ride. And the park attendants do a pretty decent job of watching the cubbies and there's lots of people around. So it's not likely that somebody's going to just reach in there and grab your purse and run away. Also, they have lockers. So if you've had your fill and you decide to get a locker, you could just you know, dump your cup and your camera bag or whatever it else is that you want to take with you that you don't necessarily need for the entire day. You can just dump it off in a locker. So that's kind of nice. The other thing is they had, you know, for a visually impaired perspective, this was kind of cool. They used to have a train that would run through the park and it no longer does, at least not this particular set of tracks. I think they have an overhead, like elevated train now that goes through the park, which we did not ride. 
but there are tracks throughout the park that were there for some sort of trolley type thing. And since they were no longer being used, there's no danger of getting run over by a train if you stick your cane in the groove and and uh, use the train track basically as a guide through the park. There's no danger of, of getting hit by a train or anything. So when you come off of a ride, you just walk into the street that everyone is walking through until your cane hits a, a really big crack. And then you could just let your cane ride through the entire park through that crack and not have to worry about feeling around for obstacles and it'll just take you around the entire park. So that was kind of cool. Was it flat? You know, one of the things I talked about about Universal was that you had a lot of elevation and somebody in a wheelchair might not necessarily like that. Did you have any other physical impairments like weird stairs or ramps that were really like uh, Mount Everest? Not really. Actually, Six Flags over Gurney, Illinois was pretty flat. And also, it was really clean. One of the things I noticed about going to amusement parks is that a lot of times they're kind of dingy, and this place was really clean. But Six the, Flags used to be that way. I agree. Uh, one in Astro World, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> so the one uh, here in Illinois was fairly flat. There were a couple of rides where I'm sure there was probably a ramp that would get you onto the ride, but we ended up taking a couple of rides that had stairs. In the because what what you do is to get your time for the ride, you have to go into the ride through the exit so that you're not dealing with the queue. And so there were a couple of rides where there were stairs going up through the exit. And I'm thinking, well, if someone's in a wheelchair, how are they going to get up here? And I'm hoping that there was a way to actually get up there, but we didn't uh, have anybody in a wheelchair. So we, we weren't really looking for ramps or anything like that. Although a lot of the exits were ramps. So, you know, it was just the occasion. They know you're going to be stumbling out of the ride and. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like there's stairs and stairs. all these like, you know, there's like stairs and all these like cattle. You feel like a piece of meat standing there in the line, just waiting to get chopped up in the, in the, <laughs> you know, in the meat grinder. And then you come back down and it's just a ramp. So I'm thinking people know that going up, they can deal with all sorts of space management and coming down. People just want to like wobble down to the floor. Or find the trash can if they decide to eat those Coney dogs beforehand. <laughs> yeah, really. Byron, was there a map that you felt like you need to reference or was just wandering around? Did that work for you? Well, Aaron, before he lost his vision, he used to be totally sighted and now he's totally blind. So he has a lot of memory of what it was like to, you know, work around the, because he worked at the park oh. when he was sighted. So oh, wow. he had a lot of the park mapped out, mm -hmm. but the two of us that were visually impaired, we could not make heads or tails of the map. That was definitely one disappointment. First of all, it was way too small, but also there were so many colors and shapes and squiggles and things that, you know, if it had been a very simplistic map right. with just lines and little pin drops to let you know where things were, then it might have been easier to read. But since it was cartoony mm -hmm. and cute and kid-friendly, it was very difficult to read for me. Aaron kept going, hey, can you look at the map and see where we are? And I'm like, not a chance. No no way. I can't tell at all where we're at. <laughs> Wait a minute. This isn't the bathroom. This is the symbol for telephone. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there even these here? Everybody has cell phones now. This is confusing. No, I, I agree. Going to a new park would actually throw me because I have like Six Flags in Dallas memorized mm -hmm. and I have uh, Disney areas memorized. If I had to go to a new park, I would be in that kind of same way. Yeah. Well, and after spending a day there, like if you get a season pass and you start to kind of memorize where things are, some of the music mm -hmm. is really helpful because the Little Dipper ride had a lot of oldies playing 
but a lot of the like the Superman oh. ride had the Superman soundtrack on it, and right. so you could, and, or right. if you hear the cartoony sort of, you know, that's either a dining area or like a cartoon ride, so you could sort of tell where you're at bit by the music that's playing various in various places, right. And if I hear it's a small world, I'm running like hell. Anyway, we we mentioned that. I am on a so next episode. time if we ever have a convention in you know Florida or California, I'm going to have it's a small small world on my phone and make you like run away oh, from a fun God. ride. <laughs> just gonna get hurt, and it's in Orlando for the next four years, so you get your opportunity. Uh, and Jamie is actually going to be up in uh, Las Vegas. How did you find the employees there? Did they fall over you? you to help you or actually not enough or just right no actually that was one of sort of the downsides was that you got two people with a cane and a third person who doesn't have a cane and maybe if we all had canes it would have been different but Aaron's daughter was not using a cane and we you know she's 15 so she's at that age where you know she's too cool for a cane and she doesn't I can do everything <laughs> yeah so she she's you know kind of like uh Aaron's hand was on his daughter's shoulder and she was kind of guiding him around a little bit and I was just following them and I think Katie and I both had similar vision so it wasn't like you know she had better vision than I did I think we were sort of comparable but I think the staff when they saw two blind guys with canes following someone without a cane that they probably assumed that she was sighted. So not a lot of people came up to help us. In fact, there were a couple of times where, you know, we would ask, where's the Superman ride or where's the demon or where's the American Eagle or whatever. And they would say, Oh, it's uh, just go that way and then turn that way. And I think they were talking to Katie, assuming that she could see. So that was kind of frustrating. So bring your cane, even if you think you're too cool for school, because you will get frustrated you know, after half an hour of looking <laughs> on for a ride. One of the things about the employees there, though, is that they all wear this bright green, like fluorescent green shirt, which was funny because I was actually thinking of wearing a bright green fluorescent shirt so that my friends could find me easier. And I ended up not doing that. And I'm glad I didn't because people probably would have thought I worked there. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I see you have a purse. <laughs> and I did. I did have a purse with me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, see, that would have been so confusing. Yeah, exactly. Right? The shirts really helped, I think. That definitely did a lot to make the situation easier. Years ago at Astroworld, I went with two friends of mine, a visually impaired man and his wife who's totally blind. And it was so funny because some of those attendants are so clueless. And uh, Sharon walks up and she says, is there a place where I can put my cane? And he points over to the cubbies on the far left. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of like, um, yeah, that's not helping her. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me go ahead. And because we had had so many bad problems trying to find a place to put her cane and it was a folding one, we just started to decide that we'd fold it and then, you know, she would hold on to it or I had my folding. So I had mine strapped to my arm. And we were in Batman the Ride, which is one of those sort of stand-up roller coaster things. Except it, this was more squat on a bicycle seat kind of roller coaster things. And we're about to take off, and you hear kathunk. Oh, no. And she goes, uh-oh. And, we, and she's like, I dropped my cane. And I was like, Sharon, this is a ride that goes upside down a lot. And so her husband actually put his foot on the cane throughout the entire ride to keep it from rolling around in the cabin <laughs> oh my with us. God. And I don't think he enjoyed the ride at all because he was so nervous and so planting his foot on this cane. But yeah, I, I can understand that because most of these guys and gals are summer help 
and I doubt there's been any sensitivity training for disabled individuals mm -hmm. at all, blind or not. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Whereas at Disney, I would imagine it's the complete opposite. Maury, you had said that you had not had any issues with some of the people that you interacted with at Disney, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Very nice. Very well trained, I would say. Yeah. But they're more of a year-round park and so more full-time employees as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, we're open from April to October when we have, you know. Uh, Fright Fest. Fright Fest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And then we close it down. Or we do the winter thing where the, we, the toboggan, which, by the way, works much better where you guys are in uh, Illinois and uh, Vermont rather than fake snow in Texas. That's a story <laughs> I'll have to tell on another It's 80 degrees and we've got snow <laughs> and it's all well, frozen. Well, there's – there's something special about celebrating Christmas in shorts, but I'm going to leave it there for now. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, one of the things you mentioned is problems with dealing with your cane at these parks. And, and I actually had a cane holster that clips onto your belt and the holster is really tight. So at first I was thinking, first ride we did was Superman. And so I was thinking, oh God, I'm going upside down. I see a pool of water below me. Um, which I'm assuming they have that there for things that fall out of your pocket and they w don't want humans <laughs> below you. So they put a big pool of water there so that they just go per kerplunk in the water. So I'm thinking, I don't really want to lose my cane. I don't even care if it doesn't hit someone in the head. I just don't want to lose it. So I was kind of nervous about it. Well, it survived Superman. So I'm thinking, okay, if it can stay tight in that holster through Superman, it can probably handle pretty much all the other rides. And it did. Plus the seats are so tight and this holster is adding an extra couple of inches to my hip here. And so I'm already kind of squeezed in there just without it. So with it, it's wedged against between me and the seat. So there's no chance it's going anywhere. So I, I would get a cane holster and, and that will solve a lot of your cane problems. You fold it up before you get on the ride. You do the ride. You unfold it when you get off the ride. You don't have to grab somebody's arm to get off the ride. You can do it yourself. And it's nice to not have to give up your cane. I hate that. Well, it sounds like you had a wonderful time, and it sounds like it was wonderful weather, unlike what I had in Orlando for the National Federation of the Blind Convention, which coverage is now available on serotalk.com, S-E-R-O-T-A-L-K.com, or on iBlink Radio. You might have heard of that. Rained every day, literally, from the minute we left Houston to get to Orlando, which was a two-day drive, to the days that we were in Orlando from June 30th to July 4th, to the three days we took coming back because we stopped to see some of my uh, relatives in Mississippi. Every day it rained. It was like London, but without having to travel across the pond. It was just definitely craziness. And what was even funnier is that the convention hotel, the Rosen Plaza, connected to where the exhibit hall was, but it was an outdoor catwalk that was covered, but you still had to walk outside. So if the rain was coming down sideways, you were still going to get yourself wet one way or another. That was really interesting. And it also made the idea of, oh, let's go to the pool. Nope. You know, <laughs> let's go out somewhere for dinner. Let's go somewhere really close. And, <laughs> you know, so it kind of put a downer on where we could go. And it was interesting because we were trying out a new vehicle in my entourage. And we used apps to help us like Gas Buddy and My Pilot and, you know, the La Quinta app. And it's always neat to do this, and there's no way to say that it's going to be voiceover or talkback friendly until you go because these apps are changing all the time. But it helps to kind of sort of get some of these apps ahead of time. 
and play with them before you go out on the road because it's nice to know that the next gas station is, you know, 37 miles or 48 miles or 52 miles and uh, it's going to be, you know, $3.87 or $3.14. And you can do that with uh, some of these apps. They are very voiceover or talkback friendly and you can be kind of the co-pilot. And that's kind of neat to be a part of the family and be able to not just sit there and not interact, you can actually look around or find points of interest with several of these apps. Of course, there was the new Seeing Eye app that came out for iOS, which is voiceover friendly and a lot of people are playing with right now. And of course, there's also Nearby Explorer for Android, which you could use uh, for the American Printing House guys. And both of those are apps that are more designed for those who are blind or visually impaired. There are other apps out there that are very friendly to use if you don't want to go with an app like that, Navigon and others. Or you can use, uh, what I use is just plain old Google Maps or uh, Google Navigation, since I'm an Android guy. And you can have a lot of that available to you and be able to call out directions or be able to help or see if there's a Pizza Hut nearby or you're in the hotel and you really, really, really don't want to get out and you can see what's at Grubhub and have something delivered. So there are apps out there that can really help you when traveling on the road to be uh, kind of a better road warrior with your family and friends and to contribute along the way. We also did that once when we got to Orlando, because there's so many places to eat and so many places to go that we kind of mapped out a route on where we wanted to go to have dinner that night or something like that, or read the menus online. Even some of the hotel menus can sometimes be online. So if you get into the hotel room and there's that leather bound book of nothing that you can read because it's in some weird text or really small and your video magnifier that you might have with you doesn't read it all that well, or it doesn't scan well. If you're using a scanner in your hotel room, you can find a lot of that stuff out without having to call down to the front desk and go, how much is it for a hamburger? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you when you talk about using apps in your phone to be more of a contributor on the trip, because I remember just going to the store or, you know, going to someplace local. I would just sit in the car and sort of passively travel with the driver. And I got my first GPS, which was a Garmin uh, handheld GPS that would do spoken turn by turn directions. And I could see the screen on the Garmin. Everything was nice and large and the contrast was nice. And I could see where we we're going and hear the turns that we were taking. And so I was no longer just sort of sitting there, not really knowing where we were going because I've never been good at feeling the directions or knowing the streets. The same thing with like going on trips with my friend Dwayne, you know, before we would just sort of hit whatever gas station we happened to pass. And now I can see miles ahead of him and tell him, oh, well, we're heading north and about four miles from here, there's a gas station that has, you know, gas for 30 cents cheaper than all the other places that are here. So it makes you feel more capable and independent and part of the traveling experience instead of just a passenger yeah, I completely agree. And like Joe was saying, I like to try out these apps in familiar territory, like walking around town, my own town. So I know I get familiar with the app and I know how accurate or inaccurate it is. I'm kind of liking this app, Blind Square. You walk down the street and it tells you what streets you're crossing, etc. And then you don't have to ask the person you're walking with, well, what does that street sign say? And all that. So yeah, you become more of an active helper instead of just following other people. It's great to be able to 
I don't want to eat there. Or there's a Waffle House and a Waffle House app. I want to eat waffles. I want to go to there. That's really neat because then if you do have a preference or if somebody says, okay, all that's coming up is McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's. No, 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 no. There's blah, 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 Jack in the box. It's great to be able (laughs) Two for 99 greasy tacos, (laughs) my favorite. Right. So it's great to be able to have that because maybe the car consensus, you might be able to swing them the way Mm -hmm. you're thinking and go, oh, man, please be a Wendy's or something like that. That actually happened to me in San Francisco. I went there for basically a seminar for people who were building apps who got grants from Motorola to build an app for nonprofit organizations. And I thought, well, I'm in the West. I can't get Jack in the Box where I live. It's sort of comfort food for me. I grew up with it. So I just brought up the Google Maps thing on my iPhone and searched for Jack in the Box thinking, well, you know, there'll probably be one, but it's probably going to take a highway to get there. Turns out it was right around the corner. I never would have even known it was there had I not looked it up. on the. And I went there like five times while I was there. <laughs> Yummy. You know what's weirder, though, is if you go to, let's say you choose Flying J or the same gas station type thing, you know, let's say it's a Love's or something like that. It's funny how some of those are merchandised the exact same, but the planograms are weird and different. And if you walk in and try to find the restroom, it's not always in the same place, but the store looks the same as the one you just were in 200 miles down the road. That is the weirdest feeling sometimes because it's some of the chains are exactly the same. They might just have a subway in a, in one place or an Arby's the next. And uh, it's really funny to actually go into some of these on a really long car trip and just go, okay, this feels familiar, but yet I have no idea where I am and how do I get out of here? And restrooms can be some of the worst because of the, you know, it's like going on a ride at Disney. Go around this one, then you take this little hallway, then you go over to the left, and then, you know, for men, it could be anywhere. You know, there could be stalls, it could be sinks, it could be urinals. I don't know. I'm just going to find a spot over here in the corner. I, <laughs> I never thought um, of that. Probably too much information for more either. Sorry about that. Sinks and stalls and urinals, oh my. Sinks and stalls and urinals, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still coming up with show titles. I, anyway, I never thought of that. Um, I can see where that could be confusing. Oh, absolutely. And there is a lot of decor. Um, maybe it's dark brown. Maybe their color scheme mm. is so bright white that everything looks the same. I've had that too. And so that can be very, very interesting. And believe me or or not, for those of you who don't use a cane, that is where having a cane can be very, very, very helpful. Not only will it maybe get you out of an argument, but it can also let you know what's a wall and without you having to really touch it. And so I use my cane very well when I'm in those situations, especially if you make the wrong mistake and didn't see that the little character was wearing a dress. instead of what looks like a guy. And uh, once again, confusion on gender roles. What can I say? Because sometimes uh, internationally there is no men or women's and uh, Braille isn't always there on some of those signs as well. So Maury, getting away from the bathroom humor of this episode for a change, why don't you tell us about your travel recently? Okay. Well, I had kind of a whirlwind trip. I went to Baltimore for the Visions 2013 conference sponsored by the Foundation Fighting Blindness for four days. I took a side trip down to D.C. on Amtrak by myself and stayed overnight. 
pretty close to the White House, so that was kind of cool. I rented a bike and ended up in Georgetown, which I had never been to. And then I took a train the next morning up to Philadelphia for my last one-year appointment for my stem cell participation. So while in Baltimore, I was with Derek. He came down to the conference with me, and then the rest of the trip I was on my own. And before I forget, talking about handy ways to get around by yourself, I'm using Siri quite a lot. Like, I'm asking it, where is the closest jack-in-the-box pizza. <laughs> Okay, here. I was going to say Even pizza, I, but yeah, jack-in-the-box with yeah, bite, two yummy not tacos. Not but as an example. And gotcha. it, it's kind of cool. It comes up instantly, and it tells you, well, there are two very close to you. And then you just double tap and get directions to it. So I'm kind of trying to use that more and more. And using Line Square, I was walking in front of the White House, along the White House lawn, and it said, Michelle Obama's Vegetable Garden. (laughs) (laughs) And then it said, the White House Kitchen Garden. So that was certainly more information than I would ever expect to get from an app. So that was pretty cool. Got a question for you, Maury. Sure. So you said you, you got a bike while you were down there. My, yes. my question is, since I moved away from Arizona and moved to the Illinois area, it seems like riding a bicycle is kind of detrimental here because the sidewalks are all kind of crazy and sometimes the sidewalks disappear and there's not really a good spot to ride. And yeah, there might be a bike lane, but it's out in the street and it's like really scary. And I've, I've gone from riding my bike a lot when I was younger to kind of being a little scared of riding a bike. And I, it's not because my vision's getting worse, but I, I think my sense of fear as I've gotten older, you know, my, my brazenness has sort of diminished. And I'm just kind of curious, what was it like riding a bike? Did you ride on the sidewalk? Did you, were there places to ride? Did, did you have to put your bike on the bus to get on the bus? I mean, what was that like dealing with, with low vision in a strange city? That's a great question because like you, my brazenness has definitely diminished just riding a bike in general, with, whether I had good vision or not with the traffic. And you know, as I get older, I'm less brave because of my vision loss. So I've actually been thinking about bike riding a lot lately. I got to tell you, it's a bit dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) In Washington, D.C., there are wide paths. I'm not sure if they were just for bicycles or pedestrians also, but pedestrians are definitely a concern for me. I was riding down the sidewalk in my own town about a month ago and saw a baby carriage at the last second and braked really fast. And it ended up being a friend of mine and her walking her baby. Oh my. And I, I said to her, wow, maybe it's time I had to quit this. <laughs> <laughs> and then doing it in a strange city, I had concerns. But as I said, there was a path. I didn't have to go in the road. But along the water at some point, there was kind of a a wooden boardwalk, and I was riding slowly along that. And up ahead, I saw these people 
who I could tell were much lower than where I was at. And so, oh, okay, there was a set of steps going down. Again, all wooden. There was no contrast where those steps began and ended. I think I only knew because I saw those people. And that could have hurt big time because it was at least three steps. And I think I could have gotten really hurt had I not seen those steps. And even if you hadn't gotten hurt and just kind of gone, it still would have been a huge shock. You would have been like, yes. I'm getting off of this thing. Yes. Well, So was your bike riding mostly for recreation, just for like going along the paths and stuff? Or were you using it to like get around from place to place? It was for recreation. I had no agenda. I didn't really know where I had been to DC before. So it wasn't all new. I kind of had a general idea where things were, and there's kind of a path around the main mall area and along the water, so I kind of followed that, and I ended up kind of diverting and ended up in Georgetown, or what I think was Georgetown, (laughs) and so that was kind of neat. I got to go to an area that I had never been, and... I was able to happen upon it on a bike. And then trying to get back to the hotel, the streets weren't laid out in a perpendicular fashion where I was. So it took a little time to get back to my hotel. But it was actually a topic of conversation among some people with Stargardt disease that I met at the conference. On the first day, there was a cocktail reception And we met some people and, you know, we compared notes. It's the only place, the conference I know of, where you meet a whole bunch of people with Stargardt disease or, in someone else's case, a different disease. So I love this conference. And I ended up talking to this guy about this exact same topic. He was considering giving up the bike. And it's a tough one to give up, I I tell you. If my right eye was as bad as my left eye, I think I would definitely have to give it up. But my right eye has some spots of pretty good central vision, at least not absolutely blacked out. And that's what is allowing me to continue to bike so far. But it's not exactly safe. Well, and you know, one of the things that's nice about riding a bike, as you sort of alluded to earlier, is that you happen upon things that you would not have noticed if you were like looking at the sidewalk from the point of view of a car, or if you were walking with somebody else and you were just watching their back. Because that's what I tend to do. I tend to, if I'm with someone else, I tend to default to stare at the person I'm walking with and just stay with them and not really look at anything else. But if I'm on a bike or walking by myself, I tend to look around because you you have to. You have to know if there's a tree branch or anything coming your way. And the cane helps you keep your eyes off of the floor. But I've noticed when I'm on my bike, that is when I've done the most, what do you call it, exploring or discovering of things. Mm-hmm. I found out there's a Fannie Mae candy store fairly close to me that I didn't know existed because I thought it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken when I would see it far <laughs> away from a car. That's a big difference from candy to right. chicken. That's <laughs> Well, it, it had that weird white and red striped banner on the on the awning. 
And so I just assumed it was a yeah. KFC. And I'm like, yeah. well, okay, it's a KFC. I don't really care about KFC. I'm like, oh, it's candy. It used to be so good when you could see like the Arby's mm-hmm. hat or the Whataburger A-frame or Dairy Queen kind of mm-hmm. always had that red up at the top. And it used to be you could recognize a chain, you know, but even McDonald's don't really look the same yeah. anymore. You have to shoot for the golden arches and look for those kinds of things because everybody wants to kind of sort of have a different look about it. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit before about indoors and skylights and the way that some of this stuff works. You can sometimes look at something and guess what it is. But for me, it works a little better in the dusk hours and seeing yeah. lights. I can memorize lights a little better or I might make out the uh, luminate because I'm glaucoma. So bright is what I'm going to be attracted to. And so dusk kind of works for me at times more than night to be able to recognize light and some parts of a building. I don't know if optic nerve hypoplasia, which is what I have, is similar at all to glaucoma in terms of the way you see things, but I'm sort of the same way. If it's either dusk or dark and there's a sign with a restaurant or a business that I'm looking for, I'll I'll notice it much easier in the nighttime or, or just in the dusk hours. You know, talking about using brands like logos to find things. You can't necessarily read the sign of that mom and pop shoe shining store, but you can see the golden arches from miles away because you know that shape. It's unmistakable. There was a time where I had just moved to Crystal Lake and we were going down the main drag in the car and I swear to God, I saw a red lobster sign. It was, you know, white letters with the red thing on the left. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, there's red lobster here. And so a couple of weeks later, I was saying, you know, hey, we should go to red lobster. And somebody said, well, the closest one is miles from here. And I'm like, no, 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 there's, there's, there's one in Crystal Lake. I saw it. And we went down that road and we went back and forth about four times and I couldn't find the sign that I was talking about. Wow. Because I, I I mistake the uh, sign for a different thing. Let's end on this uh, for this part of the discussion. Sunglasses when traveling, uh, tinted windows in a car, do they help? Do they hurt? I wear Oakley. I wear actually um, uh, fuel cans, I believe is what mine are. Used to wear Riddle. I love the Riddles. They looked a little bit like Neo glasses for the Matrix. But I tend to, if I'm looking for something, I have to take them off because uh, the cars that I ride in, generally the people that I ride with have Not limo tint, but something very close to tint of that kind on the windows. And that can actually throw me on colors or making out shapes, especially on a bright day. How about you guys? Well, I'm supposed to wear the darkest sunglasses as possible, but then you can't see. So what usually works? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Those 1% or 2%? Like Olos or Nors or or those skiing glasses from Norway and yeah yeah so, I've done those. But for people with Stargar or macular degeneration, usually an amber color works pretty good for enhancing contrast. Mm-hmm. So I usually go with an amber. I used to be green and now I'm more blue and gray. Yeah, the gray uh, I can't see much through the gray. It's just too not enough. Yeah. Probably too much contrast. It just kind of blanks everything out, snow blinds you. And like you do, I have to kind of take them off to if I want to really read something or or whatever, depending on the light. I have not had a... $350 Romeos like Tom Cruise wore in Mission Impossible? Is that that you, bud? (laughs) No. Um, I actually have not had a lot of experience with sunglasses or luck with sunglasses. I wear prescription lenses 24-7. Well... 
not 24 seven. I take them off in the shower and in bed, but that's <laughs> right. about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so I haven't tried transition lenses. I haven't really had a lot of luck with the wraparound glasses that go over the top of your glasses because they scratch to my lenses. Clip-ons, yeah. I lose all the time. So what happens when I wear sunglasses is, oh yeah, this is great. I can put the sunglasses in on and go outside and it eases that massive, painful burning that you get when you go outside and the sudden brightness just attacks your eyeball. And it certainly makes it easier when you go back inside and you've got that period of time where you can't see anything because it was bright and now it's like super dark inside. Yeah. And your people, my people is really slow to adjust. So sunglasses are great for that, but in terms of being able to see anything, it just obscures my vision too much. It, you know, the colors just throw me off too much and I can't really see anything. So I have worn sunglasses on occasion, but I have not ever, you know, on a constant basis, you know, worn sunglasses. Do you have that family friend or relative that has the dark color car or the tinted windows that you like, oh, good, we're going to ride in so-and-so's car and... <laughs> Yeah, it seems like tinted windows help me better than glasses because at least the, I don't know, the distance between you yeah. and the colored lens is easier to deal with, I guess. Right. That's if you have depth perception, you can have some weird issues or if you the curvature of the lens, actually, for some people, mm -hmm. they don't wear the wraparounds. I tend to, but uh, they don't wear the wraparounds because of the way reflections can happen in the bubble or the curvature of the lens kind of throws people. I adore my Oakleys and that's kind of been my glasses of choice for a long time. It's not that I'm fashion conscious because I am style impaired as well as visually impaired. So th there is that. But I just tend to like the design of Oakley's a little bit more and I tend not to feel the weight of the lenses. They're mostly plastic. I have worn some of the Metal X ones and stuff like that in the past, but I find the durability, believe it or not, is with some of the plastic ones. Of course, the price is pretty much the same, so I don't know why I do that, but... Yeah, so we'll have links for some of the stuff uh, that we've talked about in the show notes. And uh, after the break, uh, we will come back and mention an email that we kind of sort of walked all around. Stay with us uh, coming up after this break in uh, my review of Solera from Esper Labs right here on High Contrast on Saratalk Podcast Network. So, you know, I'm a dog and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket. But it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place. And then they act so surprised when I find them. But I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. <gasps> Hey, everybody. I'm Jamie Pauls from the Saratalk Podcast Network. And I'm Joe Stonkamp from the Saratalk Podcast. And we are all over the place, aren't we, Jamie? We certainly are. As a matter of fact, we're going to participate in an access chat on August 6th. It's a Twitter chat, as a matter of fact. If you'd like to participate, you follow the hashtag access chat. It's sponsored by Fedora Outlier. That's www.fedora, F-E-D-O-R-A, Outlier, O-U-T-L-I-E-R, dot com. So when is this going to take place, you ask? Well, it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, again, on August the 6th. Joe, what else do we have coming up? Well, we're also going to be on Accessible World. Lisa Sanglinger, our own Lisa, is going to be there on August 19th. And that's going to be sometime around, ooh, I don't know, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can find that in the Pat Price Tech Talk 
training room. Oh my gosh, lots of teas. And again, AccessibleWorld.com. Find Lisa talking about the new SamNet Socializer. In fact, you can hear about that right now on, oh my gosh, Main Menu. Check out Main Menu. We were featured in June and July's episodes. And don't forget, all of our convention audio is now up. Five amazing specials plus two specials on the Hymns event. Check it out at www.serotalk.com. If you want to keep up to date with everything going on with the Serotalk Podcast Network, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Serotalk. Dude, I've got to tell you about my newest obsession. It is Solara, S-O-L-A-R-A. And the first thing you need to know is that it works with voiceover. So if you're trying to play this as a totally blind individual, you can do so because the team at Esper Labs have done a really good job at being able to make this voiceover friendly. And to hear more about that, head on over to Cerro Talk and check out episode 162 with my interview with uh, Paul and the team over at Esper Labs, and you will learn a lot more about the integration of voiceover. But if you're a low vision person, you can enjoy this game just as easy because it is well, well, well laid out with big buttons, easy to zoom in and out. Uh, voiceover is not present. You can actually use magnification by pinch and zoom to be able to zoom in on your tower. Yeah, you're building a gigantic castle. And you have the ability to stack stores on top of stores, and these stores will give you gold. But gold is only one of the currencies available in this game. You also have to store food because your people that you are working with, you being the captain of this keep, have to go out and get things and bring them back in. But it costs food. They have to go out and fight monsters, and they have to go out and build things, and that costs food. So you've got gold, you got food, and then you got Esper. Esper is kind of the little thing that gives you a little boost to be able to buy better shops or be able to build better things. And it's great, but you don't get a lot of it. In fact, you actually have to quest to be able to get more of all of it. Food, gold, all of it. All of it comes down to doing quests, fighting in the arena, And the neat thing about this game is that at first you're going to kind of baby it while it teaches you how to play this game and where to quest and here's your knight and here's this and here's that and how do you make this guy happy and how do you make that footman happy. And then over time, the game will actually alert you to what's going on. So if you have something to do, and I sometimes do this at work actually, I'll start a quest, or I will start building a new shop, or I will start waiting for my food to replenish, and then my iPad will let me know with a notification that that has occurred, and I can go back in and play. I don't have to sit and watch it. It's semi-casual, but it's also time management, because you could actually find yourself, if you have a bunch of resources, spending about 10 or 15 minutes playing around doing some stuff, and then you can put it away and go do something else, and then later you'll come back to it. So you don't burn yourself out on it. In fact, Alina Roberts on Triple Click Home 20 talks a little bit about this and why she likes the game as well. So a good number of us here on staff here at SPN are playing this particular game. It's free, but it does have in-app purchases. So you can play this game without buying anything, but I desperately beg you to go ahead and give these guys at least $2 or $5 or $10 of your money because they've worked extremely hard to make this voiceover friendly and to make it friendly to those of us with low vision as well. Solara, it's a tower building game. It's a 
questing game. It's a resource management game. Oh, man, it's just a great game. Available in the iOS store for free. Go grab it now. Well, thank you, Joe, for that amazing review. Uh, that guy's awesome. He's just, oh, wait, no, that just sounds terrible, doesn't it? Oh, well. Anyway, Solera, go check that out. Free on iOS. Uh, I play it on the iPad. Love this game. And also, you can hear an interview with the developer on Sarah Talk 162. So if you want to learn more about this game and hear what we had to say to this developer who really embraced voiceover, and I think it's a great thing that they did, check it out, Sarah Talk 162. The mailbag, we've only got uh, one email to kind of sort of feature here because I'm going to save the rest of it for Rodney for when he returns. Uh, Michelle actually had written in about uh, stairs and Disney and her experiences. We appreciate your email, Michelle, and it's available in the show notes if you want to read it uh, over there at sarotalk.com. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of High Contrast. I want to thank uh, Maury. Maury, thank you for uh, coming along here today and talking about all the crazy things you had meant to talk about and all the things you hadn't planned on talking about. Where can people find you, dear? Well, you can find me. I write a blog for AISquared.com slash blog. And it is a fantastic read. Always check out Maury over there at AI Squared and uh, check out that new certification stuff that you guys just posted as well. That sounds pretty interesting. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Joe. Byron, my friend, where can people find the great Mr. Lee? Well, you can uh, find me at www.byronlee.com. That's byronlee.com. Again, that's byronlee.com. How many times can I say this? Because, you know, like, I, mm. I think I get paid every time I say the URL. Um, mm. You can also find me on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash byron27. So uh, hit me up on there. I've gotten a lot of followers since the last time I was on High Contrast. So let's see if we can get my... Uh, my followers' numbers to go up even more. Yay! That is awesome news. You can find Rodney over at Tech Access Weekly, uh, and we have links right there in the show notes to be able to find that. Follow them on Twitter as well. Uh, they just recently did a review of the stand scan, which we'll also have in the show notes, and you can take a look at that. I want one. Isn't that awesome? We'll, we'll hope to get a little bit more about it when he when Rodney comes back and next speaks to us and hosts this show because uh, it isn't easy and we miss you greatly, Rodney. We really, really do. So for the absent Rodney Egger and, of course, Maury and Byron, thank you for listening to High Contrast and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>